0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors Show. Today I am so excited because I am sitting down with someone who I've been following for a really long time, Doug Casey. Um, if you're into gold, you probably know who Doug Casey is. Uh, he's the founder of Casey Research, best selling author, several books, including um, the book uh, Crisis Investing from 1980, best selling book. And currently, He's writing a new blog called The International Man, and he definitely is The International Man. Doug, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to visit with you, Mark. At the moment, I'm um, in the uh, quiet, backward little welfare state of Uruguay, where I've been sitting out this uh, COVID hysteria.
0: Oh, wow. You, you, you are the international man. Well, um, I gave a little bit of an intro and of course, like I said, I've been following you for a long time, at least a dozen years at this point, uh, but I'm guessing there might be a couple people left that aren't sure who you are. So just give us a quick background on kind of uh, maybe what you've been doing and, and where you're at right now.
1: Well, my first book was called The International Man and it was a guidebook to making the most of your personal freedom and financial opportunity around the world. Uh, among other things, that book became the largest selling book in the history of Rhodesia. Uh, and that's one record that's never going to be broken. Uh, and of course, my current blog is called internationalman.com, kind of after that book. And then my uh, second book, Crisis Investing, uh, became uh, the largest selling book of the year uh, on the, uh, of any type uh, and it was number one on the New York Times list for 18 weeks and on the list for about 30. So uh, and I've written a number of books since then, although now I'm basically doing novels uh, because there are many things that you can say in the form of fiction that you actually dare not say in the form of nonfiction. First novel, I happen to have a copy with me, yeah. is uh, Speculator, which is a story about the gold mining business with our hero, Charles Knight, making a couple hundred million dollars, which is possible in bull markets uh, in gold, and then having it stolen from him after he gets involved in a bush war in Africa, uh, where I've spent a lot of time. And uh, then I wrote Drug Lord, and we're just finishing uh, one called Assassin Now, which is really kind of a hot potato because it goes into the morality, and the history, and the ethics, Of uh, and the techniques of uh, political assassination, which is kind of a no-no. I I suspect it'll do well because with a title like assassin, most people will think, oh, it must be about killing Trump. Uh, I'm not against Trump, actually. Uh, He's vastly better than the alternative for whatever problems he has, and he does have problems, believe me. But uh, anyway, that's what I'm doing. That's kind of who I am, Mark.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, Now, I'm curious, um, just uh, dipping into the novel for a little bit. Now, again, right, you've made your career um, investing, crisis investing, speculating, um, and now you're writing novels about speculators. And so really, it seems like the last 30 years or so, really, you've been um, trying to educate people right, through your research that you've been doing and so forth, your books you've been writing. I'm curious, do the novels still teach people, but in more of like a story format? Or is it just like for fun and there's really no lesson there?
1: No, there's lots of lessons in it. The, uh, uh, the first novel, Speculator, is actually a, uh, uh, a fun textbook in uh, the gold mining industry and the gold mining stock market, uh, and all of the problems, the scandals, the frauds that uh, come up with it. Uh, Our hero in the book gets lucky uh, on a punt he makes on a gold mining stock that has a property in Africa. So he decides to go to the country of Gondwana to uh, check it out. And from there, he gets involved in a, in a, um, Bush War. And um, so, it, no, it's, it's a great story, but um, you can learn a lot about the way the gold mining business works in it. Just as in Drug Lord, second book, you can learn a lot about the drug business because in my younger years, I toyed with the idea of becoming a drug lord. Long story, you don't want to hear it now. And of course, I'm not really toying in the third book with the idea of becoming an assassin, but <laughs> I think for the next decade, uh, what we're looking at, Mark, is the beginning, well, the climax of the collapse of Western civilization, which is a a genuine tragedy. So um, yeah, these are things you can say in fiction that it's, it's better than in nonfiction, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely makes sense. Now for everybody that's tuning in and watching, um, as I said, I mean, Doug Casey, he's a legend. He's been really reporting on this type of stuff that I talk about all the time for over 30 years. Um, and we're going to dig into crisis investing, what he sees happening right now. I'm going to ask him about, um, where we see things going, what the end game is, what happens to gold, um, maybe get into Bitcoin if he wants and uh, really kind of what, what he sees as, as happening here. So a lot we're gonna unpack. Um, so stick with us, we're gonna dig into some good stuff. But Doug, um, back to, um, so back to the book, 1980 Crisis Investing. Um, tell us about crisis investing and, and how is that, uh, how is that like your thesis and how have you kind of followed this crisis investing?
1: Well, as the government has become more powerful uh, over the last century, actually since uh, since World war one it 's become uh, more and more important to perfect your skills as a speculator, even more than an investor. Uh, an investor is somebody that allocates money in order to create new wealth that 's excellent. Uh, a speculator is a little bit different. A speculator is somebody who capitalizes on distortions in the marketplace, generally, politically caused distortions. And I'm afraid that with the trillions of dollars being created by the US government and many, many trillions more currency units by every other government in the world now, uh, it's going to become very, very hard to be an investor in the years to come. Uh, you're almost going to be forced to be a speculator. So, um, That's why the uh, gold mining business in particular is a good place to be right now because I think that there's going to be a panic into gold. It's not cheap anymore from some points of view, uh, but uh, it's going a lot higher before this is over because they're going to destroy the dollar.
0: Yeah, now um, obviously, you wrote that book back in 1980 and they've been destroying the dollar, I mean, whatever date you wanna put on it, definitely since 1971, right? When they when they left the gold standard. Um, so 10 years later, you wrote the book, um, but here we are 30 years later and they're still destroying the dollar, um, right? They're still printing more dollars. Um, does it seem like at some point, like how long can they keep this charade going?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think they can keep it going much longer because at, at this point, the government's debt is on a hyperbolic curve. In other words, starting seriously back in 1971, when the dollar was completely cut loose from gold, it grew gradually, gradually, gradually. And a couple of years, and with the the, uh, crisis of 2008 and on, uh, we passed the knee where the uh, curve started getting closer to the vertical. Now it's heading towards the vertical. Uh, So I don't think this is going to go on another 30 years. I think the 2020s are, are going to be the most catastrophic decade that we've had for a very long time. It could be not just the biggest thing since World War II, but it could be the biggest thing since the Industrial Revolution, although I I hasten to say that the Industrial Revolution was a wonderful thing, but what's going on now is going to be a horrible thing. Right. Most, of the peop- most of the people in the world that have any savings uh, have their savings in currency, preferably in dollars. But right. when they destroy the dollar, it's going to create chaos, social chaos, financial chaos, economic chaos, political chaos. And before it's all over, it may wind up in something resembling World War III. I know this sounds very apocalyptic, but uh, we're in the early stages of something that's very, very, very bad. This depression, I call it the greater depression, is not only going to be uh, much worse, but much different and much longer lasting than the unpleasantness of 1929 to 1946. So that's the overview in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you you know, not to be doom and gloom, but I mean, I think a lot of people, most people are seeing the same thing that you are. Um, I mean, at the end of last year, we had what, eight different countries with over a million people each uprising. Um, And obviously, coronavirus has slowed that down, but that's not going away. We're gonna, we're gonna see that. Um, And so uh, I think, yeah, you're not just doom and gloom. I mean, that's what everybody sees.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I hate to be associated with uh, doom and gloom because <clears throat> actually the longest trend I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you a counter argument if you would the longest trend in motion is the ascent of man. It's been going on for two hundred thousand years, and things have been getting better faster uh, as time has gone on. It's almost like Moore's law applied to anthropology. Uh, so there is good news. And uh, what we're looking at financially and economically and in these other ways, you know, that too will pass. And uh, I'm a believer in Ray Kurzweil's concept of the singularity. And uh, Kurzweil makes, a, I think it's almost a bulletproof case that within 20 years, with the development of everything from uh, the, the perfection of computing technology Uh, the perfection of nanotechnology, uh, genetic engineering, other forms of biotechnology, robots, uh, that we're going to go into a whole new era. So we just have a a rough spot to go through over the next 10 years. So that's why you want to preserve your capital and make it grow so you're in a position to take advantage of the good times that are going to come after these bad times are over.
0: Right. right. I'm, I'm curious. Um, so back in 1980, you wrote that book. Um, I've known you, I mean, not, not, not that long, obviously I've known you for being the gold guy. I'm curious what brought you to gold. Was it being the speculator? Like, Ooh, I can make a bunch of money in gold because I see this asset going up for different reasons. Or was it something more like fundamental where, um, you recognized that without gold being a, and having a sound money, um, the whole system was going to fall apart. Was it was uh, it a speculator or was it more like ideological?
1: Well, actually, uh, I hate to say ideological. I'd prefer to say philosophical. Okay. Um, you have to recognize what gold is. Uh, it's money in its most basic form. Now, a lot of things can be used and have been used as money. Everything from cigarettes to seashells have been used as money. Sure. But gold is uniquely well qualified for use as money for reasons that Aristotle— uh, enumerated in the 5th century VC. It's durable, divisible, convenient, consistent. And it has use value. You can't get stuck with it. Um, so it, it's actually better and different than the, other, uh, uh, the rest of the other 92 naturally occurring elements for the use of use as money. But um, the thing to remember is with money, Gold is the only financial asset that's not simultaneously somebody else's liability. And the Federal Reserve notes that we call dollars today are the liability of our central bank. Right. They're backed by nothing. So this is all gonna blow up and it's gonna be worldwide because the other central banks in the world, people think that things like the Federal Reserve and other central banks, they think that these things are part of the cosmic firmament but they're not. right? Uh, so, um, yeah, you want to own gold because it is the only financial asset that's not somebody else's liability.
0: Yeah. Now, you've been doing this for a long time. And um, at the end of the day, right, I mean, you've been writing books and newsletters and trying to get the information or the education out there. Um, I love this quote from Henry Ford um, back in early 1900s. He said that, if the people understood how the banking system worked, there'd be a revolution overnight. And really they've been able to kind of hide, almost hide all this, like people don't really understand the dollar or Federal Reserve note, whatever. Um, but now I think, especially with the uh, rise of the internet, getting information out better, and now what I'm seeing with Bitcoin and people being more interested than ever, we're starting to see a lot of people waking up to this now. Do you, do you see this trend growing? Like people are like getting their eyes opened?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things about Bitcoin, uh, I wasn't an early adopter, but I've been a big adopter, and it's been very, very good to me, uh, is that uh, Bitcoin has has uh, drawn people's attention to the nature of money. Uh, people that are involved in Bitcoin have taken to calling the dollar a fiat currency. Yep. Which it is. So uh, once people own Bitcoin, they have to start figuring out, well, wait a minute, what gives Bitcoin its value? Why do I wanna own it? So this leads them naturally into economics and monetary theory so that uh, Bitcoin's been very helpful in letting the cat out of the bag about what's going on monetarily. So you're quite correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things, I mean, there's so many things that I love about Bitcoin, but just the fact that it's got people to want to learn more that in itself is just such a big piece. Um, so, you know, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time, 30 years, you've seen uh, gold go through several cycles. Um, where, as far as gold in a cycle right now, it seems like now we're breaking out of maybe just like regular like, cycles and actually going into more of like fundamental reasons why we need it, um, meaning like never have we seen, as you already said, right, the Fed printing trillions of dollars, interest rates going negative. Um, so do you see this as being like the, fi- like the final bull market for gold right now?
1: Uh, actually, I think it is the final bull market for gold because by the time uh, this catastrophe is over, I think that gold is going to be reinstitutionalized as money. Um, let's look at the history of gold prices because so, what we want to do is make money. Uh, from this, or or let's say increase our net wealth and increase our standard of living. Uh, Before 1971, gold was controlled at $35 an ounce. It was suppressed in price by the government. So it exploded upward over the decade of the 1970s, which were a bad decade in a lot of ways, Um, from other points of view, until it hit about $850 an ounce in january of 1980 okay so it was overpriced then and subsequently uh it fell stock market did well the economy uh recovered uh it got as low as $250 an ounce in 19 um in 2001 and interestingly gold at $250 an ounce in 2001 was actually cheaper in real terms than gold in 1971 at $35 an ounce because the dollar had lost so much value. Right. So, all right, where are we now? It's gone from a low, that was 20 years ago. So in terms of today's dollar, uh, it hit a low back then of 750. And I think this bull market, it's gonna take it to close to $10,000 an ounce. Uh, I hate to pick a price and a time, but it's going to go a lot higher because there's going to be a panic into gold. Uh, People are going to try to get out of dollars. I mean, look, if you live in a place like Venezuela or Zimbabwe, you don't even use those currencies. Right. Uh, But the dollar is going to be much more serious uh, when it falls apart because it backs all the other currencies in the world. Everything's priced in dollars. Uh, When an economy like Venezuela or Zimbabwe, the two most recent bad examples, collapses. Well, they're small places, and foreigners can bring money in and rebuild. But when the U.S. collapses and brings the rest of the world with it, uh, this is much more serious than some nothing-nowhere country destroying its currency. But it's going to happen right here in the U.S.,
0: now, one thing to keep in mind, just for the listeners um is that you know when you talk about gold going to ten thousand dollars an ounce, um you also have to recognize like what does that mean for the dollar in itself, right so in Zimbabwe, they have one hundred trillion dollar banknotes and um you know I keep the, one on my
1: keep one of on my wall and I've spent a lot of time in Zimbabwe and and for what it's worth mark this is a this is a fun fact uh a hundred trillion dollar Zimbabwe note uh and the president of the central bank that printed that up happens to be a friend of mine, long story, that's not relevant right now. <laughs> but, um, $100 trillion Zimbabwe note trades today for around 60 to $80. So you could have picked them up for nothing, uh, back in around 2003, four, when they were being printed. Uh, they've actually been excellent investments, those mm-hmm. pieces of paper.
0: That's interesting. I, I bought one, um, but as a co- like collectible, it was in like mint condition. I bought it uh, like a year ago. And, uh, yeah. What did you pay? Maybe
1: 10 bucks then? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I want to I say it was like 10 bucks or maybe 15 bucks or something like that. I forget. But um, yeah, something like that. But I, I guess the point being, um, you know, when I was a kid, being a millionaire or not, not even a kid, I mean, 10 years ago, being a millionaire was something. Today, right. like being a millionaire isn't what it used to be. And like
1: being a billionaire isn't even a big deal anymore. Well, when well, people like Elon Musk are worth, they say eighty billion dollars.
0: Right. So I mean, when when you say gold going to ten thousand, like I might be a billionaire at that point, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever, right? So uh, it, it, it doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm going to be able to buy my purchasing power will be what a billionaire does today. It just means that's what the dollars are, right?
1: Look, the the dollar is an, the answer. On- sure liability of a bankrupt government. It's basically an IOU nothing. Uh, sure. It's still got value because you can take it down to the Chevy dealer and he'll sell you a car for it. But, um, things are going to change very, very rapidly over the next couple of
0: years. Do you see it? So you've been, you've been, you've been reading, watching, reading, reporting on this for 30 years. Um, you know, as we've already kind of talked about, it's like this escalating thing. Um, and, and uh, I mean, now you're talking about it, like maybe coming to an end at some point. I'm just curious, uh, do you think that the Fed still has a couple more tricks up their sleeve? I mean, uh, I guess at some point the printing just stops working, that's, that's kind of what you see?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we're at the end game right now because even in 2008, uh, who could have guessed that they'd take interest rate? I thought it was cosmically impossible to have interest rates go below zero, but they have. Uh, So what have they done? They've taken interest rates as low as they can go. Uh, They're printing up money by the bushel basket. So now what do they do? Uh, Well, I don't know if they can pull another rabbit out of their hat or not, but I'll tell you what's going on outside of the US and uh, most Americans, especially now during the COVID hysteria, uh, don't really look beyond our borders very much. But um, look, take Russia and China. When they, do, when they trade with each other, they don't use yuan and rubles because the Chinese don't want Russian rubles. They don't trust them. Why should they? Yep. And the uh, Russians don't want Chinese yuan for the same reason. So what do they do? How do they, how do they exchange uh, goods? Well, they use dollars. And those dollars have to clear through New York. It's completely ridiculous that two large economies have to use a third country's currency when that third country is an adversary and could become an enemy. So my guess is, and this is starting to happen between other countries now, that they actually settle debts and trading in gold. This is actually starting to happen. Uh, So that's why this would be the final gold bull market it'll get to a level that makes sense relative to the rest of the wealth in the world. Uh, and uh, it'll be re reinstated as day-to-day money. People forget that up until uh, Roosevelt in 1933, gold was day-to-day money. It right. uh, was in your pocket in the form of gold coins. Yeah, I think, I think we're gonna see that again, although with a variation. Uh, it could be digital gold, right. uh, where uh, you use the blockchain to uh, trade gold electronically, something like that.
0: The, the, uh, the downside of the gold, though, is the centralization that's required of that. So gold is big and heavy, and so you need someone to store it and guard it and, and remove it. So you always have this centralization. Um, and anytime you have centralization, then you have manipulation. Um, and I think that's maybe what caused the death of gold in the first place, right? You had all the gold centralized by the banks, and then at some point, they just, well, then, then they confiscated whatever gold was left, and next thing you know, they, now they've completely manipulated the system. So, it seems like if we go back to a gold system that's, again, centralized, we might be susceptible to going back down the exact same path again.
1: Well, of course, I don't believe the government belongs in the money business,
0: Oh, I mean, there we go. Separate okay. money and state. I mean, uh, separate s- uh, state and money. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, they separated the state from religion. Yep. Uh, centuries ago. Now it's time to separate the state from the economy. Uh, so money is a, a market phenomenon. You don't need the state involved in it at all. Once the state gets hold of the money, uh, they use it as a form of indirect taxation. And this is very serious because the U.S. government is totally and completely bankrupt now. It has been for decades, actually. But now, uh, now the wraps are off. Now everybody can actually see what's going on. So uh, this is why I buy gold personally uh, in the form of fungible coins.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, um, I wanna uh, I want to chase down the end game as you call it and talk about what that actually looks like. I have a couple questions for you there um, and see uh, the big question I wanna ask is uh, uh, inflation or deflation in gold. But before we get to that, um, I know you were telling me before we started recording that um, you're actually part of a, a, a pretty big company that I've been kind of following, a gold mining company. Actually, it's called Gold Mining, right? Um, do you wanna tell me about that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, over the years, there are, as you may know, Mark, about 2,000 gold companies in the world, companies that are involved in exploring for or developing or producing gold, about 2,000 of them. Uh, Most of them are um, burning matches, I, I mean the next thing up from a couple of prospectors out in the desert hoping to find the treasure of Sierra Madre. Most of them aren't worth owning. <laughs> so over the years, I've become very particular about the ones that I buy. And um, actually just after its founding, I got involved with Gold Mining Inc. Uh, it's one of my largest positions. I'm continuing to buy it um, for several reasons. Uh, I like the management very much, and in speculating in mining stocks, I developed something called the nine P's, it's a mnemonic, the nine things you want to look at before you buy any mining company. Uh, the number one P is people, who's running the company, yep. because uh, good people can turn a nothing into a giant company, bad people can take a giant company and run it into the ground. People's yep. number one. Second thing is the property. Third thing is the finances spelled with the PH uh, and others, the promotion, politics. Uh, Perhaps they're irrelevant to go into all those things at the moment. But Gold Mining Inc. is uh, one of my biggest positions. Why? Because during the recent bear market uh, for gold, uh, cyclically it was going down from 2011 when it hit its last peak, uh, at 1,900, it went down to as low as about 1,100. During that bear market, uh, Amir Nani, who runs the company, uh, has been buying a lot of properties, slightly sub-economic properties. Uh, and now he has 25 million ounces of resources. Uh, this is a huge number.
0: Yeah, I it's mean, huge. He,
1: now, even the largest, um, the largest companies in the world uh, only have, well, Barrick and Newmont, let's say 50 million ounces of reserves. Uh, reserves are different than resources, uh, an important dis- distinction to make. But uh, the resources, uh, which is to say sub- gold is in the ground. It just hasn't been proven to be economic. Right. Proven, but we know that it is. Um, Right now, you can buy uh, gold in the ground with gold mining ink uh, for about $10 an ounce. Uh, that's a trivial amount, uh, because right now with gold at about $2,000 an ounce, the industry is coining money. It's buying gold at $10 an ounce in the, gold, in, in the ground. Look. <laughs> The stock is very, very cheap. That's, that's, why it's, that's why it's about my third largest position. Uh, another thing I'd mention about it is that uh, they're planning on getting into the royalty business. And incidentally, my largest position uh, is a company called Metalla, which is a royalty company. In other words, they don't mine the gold. <clears throat> what they do is uh, pay the mining company cash up front so they can mine the gold and then take a royalty uh, on the gold after it comes out of the ground. Long story. Right. But Gold Binding Inc. is also getting into that. It's a it's, it's, uh, stock trading at around $2 US. Um, I think within the next year, we'll see it much, much higher.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been talking about gold miners uh, quite a bit on the channel. Um, and, and I've even talked about um, how, to, how to find the good ones, how to value them. And I also said, uh, the first thing I look for is the team, the people, as you say. Um, and and I, just, I basically said kind of the same thing you said, which is a good team isn't going to go work for a bad company right? Like, and so they do that. That helps with a lot of the vetting if I see a good team. And so when I was looking through this company, I saw you were part of it and I figured, wow, they were, they got dug in, they must be pretty good. And it looked like uh, the CEO they hired um, for the mining company, uh, David Garofalo is also like a uh, industry titan, right? I mean, he was like one of the found or was part of the biggest merger in the gold mining space.
1: Yeah, this, this company is going to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange in the near future. It's going to draw a lot of attention to it, and it's going to draw a lot of attention to it because of the people that are running the company, right? because of the assets it has, because there's going to be a bubble in gold stocks generally. Uh, Look, all gold stocks in the world, uh, 2,000 of them, most of them are crappy, uh, but add up their values together, and they're less than one-half of 1% of the value of the stock market. Right. In fact, if you take all of the gold producers in the world and take their market caps together, they're just slightly more than the amount of cash that Apple alone has in its bank accounts. Right. That's how small and unknown the industry is. Nobody knows. Look, fund managers have been taught to treat gold as a pet rock. They don't care about it. Uh, it's totally off their radar screens. but in my opinion, the next bubble, I mean, we've had a housing bubble. We've had an internet bubble. Uh, they create all these trillions of dollars. It goes from one bubble to the next. Yep. Uh, in my view, the next bubble is going to be in gold stocks and gold. So you want to get positioned in these things now. And you want to get into cheap companies that have the gold, have the management, the type of thing that when the fund managers start buying these things, which they are not yet, although Warren Buffett, incidentally, for the first time in history, bought a gold stock. He bought 20 million shares of Barrick, uh, was released in his last quarterly. So this is like a straw in the wind. Uh, Now this is, uh, you you wanna be positioned in these things now, because in the past, when we've had gold bull markets, and we've had five of them since 1971, the average junior mining stock has gone up about 10 times in price. They're the most volatile securities
0: on the planet. Yeah.
1: And this is going to be one for the record books.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I just made a video talking about Warren Buffett um, buying, buying into gold. And obviously, he, for 20 years, he's been saying, I would never buy gold. You know, you dig it out of the ground and then you have to guard it. How stupid is that? Um, but I always understood why he doesn't like gold and, and Bitcoin for that matter, because it doesn't do anything, doesn't make anything. Um, he always wants to buy companies that produce things like Coca-Cola or Cs candy. Um, so buying a gold miner actually makes sense to me, because it's not buying gold, it's buying a company that produces things. Did you see the same thing?
1: No, uh, absol- absolutely correct. And um, his argument about gold not doing anything and- being a pet rock it's ridiculous if he had a if he had 100 million dollars in 100 dollar bills they just sit there they don't produce anything it's because they're money they're used for preserving wealth and trading so it's intellectually dishonest right uh, on his part to uh to make those arguments but he, he is a genius he's very smart and uh, he can see that uh, gold mining companies are going to be making a mint in yeah. the years to come.
0: And I made the same point that you did. Uh, well, two, one, I said that, you know, Buffett, his strategy is like buy and hold forever. Like he's on Coca-Cola for whatever, 50 years. Like when he goes in, like he buys it. So like, he's not looking to like flip gold in a month. Like he's going in for, he sees like a long-term tailwind here. He must, right? One. And two, um, he, he kind of leads, like, as you just mentioned, right? The institutions aren't buying yet. And like, now that he's buying, it's probably going to open up the floodgates for all these people. Would you agree with that?
1: That's exactly the way I see it. <clears throat> and so as of, as of his last report, uh, he's got 20 million shares of Barrick, which is the second largest gold miner in the world. Newmont is the largest, but uh, the money's going to start flowing into um, uh, secondary producers which are smaller, but the reason, why, uh, the reason why I own a lot of Gold Mining, ink, and I know we've been talking about it because, uh, well, I like to talk my book, and it's <laughs> one of my largest positions, okay? So I'm telling you why I own it. Yep. It's because they've got 25 million ounces of resources that name. will be turned into reserves, and big mining companies, which have not been exploring over the last 10 years, uh, very much. Uh, the argument's been made that we have peak gold; that uh, gold production is actually going down because uh, all of the easy to easy to find gold. People have been looking for gold for for millennia, so yeah. all the easy to find uh, high grade gold near surface has been found. Uh, all the mining companies are going to be bidding for more resources to stay in business. Because when Barrack or Newmont mine an ounce, uh, they've got to replace it with another ounce or they're going to go out of business. It's a right. vanishing asset. Right. So that's why I'm playing this company. It's yeah. got no current expenses. It's just holding the gold and we're waiting for uh, a major to come along and buy it for a much yeah. higher price, uh, not just $10 an ounce in the gold. Uh, in the ground. By the time this is over, they're going to be paying well over $100 or $200 an ounce in the ground.
0: Yeah. So uh, anyone listening can do the math on, on that. <laughs> they're priced at $10 an ounce in the ground. If they get $100 an ounce, just imagine what that does to the stock price. Now, Doug, I know I mean, we got to wrap it up. I, I, own,
1: I own a lot of gold stocks and there are good arguments for all of them. Otherwise, I wouldn't own them. But this is one of the best arguments.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I know we're running short on time. We got to get off of here, but I did want to just ask you just a, uh, another qu- couple questions. Um, you, you keep talking about the end game and we're at the final end game and uh, I would agree with that. And I'm curious, um, you know, I hear both sides of the argument. I can I can make both sides of the argument and I'm curious what you see, but one, um, how, how this ends. So, Uh, Right now, obviously, we're seeing the debt deleveraging, so we're seeing deflation. The Fed, the central banks around the world are trying to inflate back up by printing massive amounts of money. Um, Who's gonna win? Is the market gonna win with deflation or is the Fed's gonna win with inflation? Um, And if so, what does that mean to gold?
1: Yeah, well, this argument, are we going to ultimately have catastrophic deflation or runaway inflation? This argument's been going on for 50 years. Right. Uh, and I followed it through that time. Uh, the answer is you can't be sure which is going to win because with all the debt in the world, uh, it could be defaulted on. Yep. And if a billion-dollar bond is defaulted on, what happens to the billion dollars that somebody thought was their asset? It dies and goes to money heaven, and that billion dollars disappears. That's deflationary. Yeah. But at this point, uh, these central banks have the world's economies in a stranglehold, and they've said, and I believe them, that they'll print up as much money as necessary to keep the uh, ball rolling, to keep the house of cards propped up. So I'm betting on um, much higher levels of inflation. But what I'm really betting on, more than inflation or deflation per se, Is chaos. We're going to have actual financial chaos, and it's going to be scary.
0: Yeah, and and uh, uh, I I I, uh, write a newsletter. It's called the Four Pillar Blueprint, and one of the four pillars is chaos (laughs) chaos hedge insurance, uh, which is precious metals, of course. So exactly what you're talking about uh, the chaos uh, and 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 we. That's, that's not even, like, speculative. Like, we're seeing massive chaos right now. It's pretty easy to see how that's just going to continue to grow. Oh, we're,
1: just in, we're, just in the fir- we're just in the first inning of the ballgame right now.
0: Oh, that's a scary thought. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> that's why you're in Uruguay.
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I've got a thousand-acre farm here with a mile of riverfront near the ocean, surrounded by cattle and horses. And yeah, so I feel pretty good about this. Uh, but... Uh, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. This is, this is going to be a worldwide problem.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I've always thought I could run. And uh, if anything, this pandemic has shown me that, no, there is not going to be anywhere to run to now. The whole world is way too connected now. So um, we have to just, uh, my, my philosophy is we just have to learn as much as we can so we can build up enough resources so we at least have options, right? Um, you'll,
1: you'll, have to, you'll have to send me a copy of your newsletter. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see it, Mark.
0: I sure will. Well, Doug, um, I know we're out of time and I I think we went a bit long. So I really appreciate you giving me your time. Like I said, I've been, uh, I've been a huge fan. I've been following you for over a dozen years. You've really been instrumental in my own philosophy, building it out the way that I see the world and, and so forth. So again, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Pleasure's all been mine. All right. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks, Doug. All right.